Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Well, good morning and happy new year. I hope you have a Bible close by you. I invite you to turn to it to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 is we look at this psalm that some refer to as a wisdom psalm. That is, it gives us some wisdom. It teaches us something that God is uh, giving us guidance in our lives as we look at this subject, how to do the will of God during 2021. And I'll add, how to do the will of God during 2021, no matter what comes our way. As we just finished 2020, no one would have guessed all of just the crazy things that we've had to deal with, the tragedies, the heartaches, the difficulties. But I submit to you that God has something for us today out of his word as we look at this idea of doing God's will. Many times I get asked that as a chaplain. People ask me, well, what is, what is the will of God for my life? And sometimes I don't have the exact answer for people because I, I don't know specifically. But I can say that in Psalm chapter 1, I think you and I get some guidelines about God's will and God's wisdom. Uh, you could refer to it this way. You could say this is going to be God's will or God's wisdom for dummies. Remember the, the Four Dummies book? You got the internet for dummies, Facebook for dummies, something else for dummies. This is God's will for dummies. Well, in just a moment, we're going to look at this passage together. But it carries a theme that comes out many times in the Scripture, is you have this idea of the two ways. You've got the way of the righteous, and you have the way of the wicked. It's, it's wisdom literature. It's, it's, it's general truth, sort of like the Proverbs we referred to actually earlier in our, in our service today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you, if you acknowledge Him, what will happen? He will direct your path. As a military, as an army chaplain, I'm always interested in finding little quick little words or words of nuggets of wisdom I can use for a word of the day. Sometimes at a, at a command and staff or at a, at a meeting of leaders, they want the chaplain to, to share a, a quick word, and I'm always interested in finding those. One of my favorite men who was really good at giving quick little funny things was, was the great baseball player Yogi Berra. And I liked his yogiisms. I'm going to share a few of them with you. One thing I like about Yogi Berra is he's a He's a fellow um, military service member. He was actually in the Navy during World War II. He was one of the participants. I didn't know this until I read it a little bit. He was a participant in the D-Day invasion. Yogi Berra was. Of course, went on to be a, a great baseball player. But as far as sharing little bits and nuggets of wisdom, I like some of the ones that he shared, and I, they're humorous to me. So let me read you a couple of, of my favorite yogiisms. He said this at one point. He said... It ain't over till it's over. One time he was questioned about something that he said, and here's what he said. He said, I really didn't say everything I said. He may could have run for office, maybe, you know, saying something like that. One time he said, this was before the internet when you wrote letters, he said, I never answer an anonymous letter. Good thinking, Yogi. He never answered an anonymous letter. He talked about the importance of taking naps at one point. In fact, here recently the Army came out with a publication that said a military member should be taking naps. I'm all for that. Well, Yogi said this. He said, I usually take a two-hour nap between the hours of 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. That's what he said. He also said this. He said at one point people were asking him, how are you such a good hitter? He was known to be a great hitter. He said, well, 
He said, hitting is only 90% physical, and the other half is mental. That was one of his sayings. On another occasion, Yogi, was, Yogi Berra was outside. He was wearing some sunglasses, and a lady came up to him and said, Yogi, you look cool. And he looked back at her and said, you don't look so hot yourself. And then my favorite one, which I think applies to this passage, in making great decisions of life, he said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Take the fork. Well, we're going to talk today about how to know God's will. How to know God's will for 2021. Some decisions, like I've said already, it's difficult to just come up with a set answer because we're still trying to figure it out. For example, for maybe a young high school student or, or a young person, where will I go to school? Am I going to go to school? Some of us have made a decision, am I going to join the military? And then during that career, am I going to stay in the military? Am I going to re-enlist or am I going to, I'm going to get out and go do something else? Am I going to get married? Who am I going to marry? <laughs> Will I have children? How many children? These decisions come up all the time, and some of them are difficult. Some of them we, we need to take time and pray about. But what I want to submit to you is that the kind of decisions and the, and the kind of following and Yogi Berra's when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Those kind of decisions that I want to focus on today are not those that sometimes are challenging, but they're a little more important than some of the simpler decisions like do I eat chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream? But these are the decisions that are right in front of us that God has given us explicit instructions on which way to go. And we make a decision to follow God or not to follow God. To, as we're going to see in just a minute, to follow the way of the righteous or to follow the way of the wicked. Here's a statement. It is one thing to say, I'm going to follow God and do his will. It is another thing to walk away from that statement and to actually do God's will. There are things in our lives, there are times in our lives when what we need to do is clear. I can't help but think about a time when I was a pastor and we had a, I was at the same church for several years and, and I, I was a youth minister. And then as some of those youth got older, they began to uh, go to college and have careers and things. And, and it was a great blessing. And the church started sort of a young adult, small group, you know, Bible study, Sunday school kind of class. And this one young man who had kind of hadn't seen him in a while, didn't know what was going on in life, he kind of plugged back into that class and he came to me and he started talking with me and he, he started telling me all these sins, the, the, these um, ways of wickedness that he was getting into, hanging out with the wrong crowd, staying out late at night, heavy, heavy drinking, drug use, carousing, you, you fill in the blank, you, you know the lifestyle. And he's sharing all these things with me and he's pouring his heart out and as he was sharing with me, I simply asked him a question. I said, hey, and he wanted to change, by the way, he, he, what he shared with me. He wanted to repent and he wanted to you know, go on the right path, so to speak. But I simply asked him, I said, when you do all these wicked things, do you do them by yourself or do you, are you with people? And he hung his head because he knew where I was heading. And he said, yeah, I've got a group of people I, I, I do those things with. And my suggestion to him as his pastor was that he needs to get away from those people and go in a different crowd if he's going to really be serious about changing his direction. And very sadly, I couldn't help but think the look in his face made me think about the rich young ruler because this young man, just like the 
young man in the scripture, he sort of hung his head and he went away because at that moment he had made a decision that he wasn't ready to do that yet. We continue to pray that people do, and the good news is this, God is always there to welcome us back, amen? Well, let's read this passage together, and let's see if we can learn how to do God's will for 2021. Psalm chapter 1, it's only six verses. I want you to listen to what the psalmist says. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. Look at the progression nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now the wicked, verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. I want to share with you from this passage ways you and I can do God's will in 2021. This day, the first Sunday of the new year, this is the first uh, sermon I've preached this year, probably for most of us, the first time we've met together as God's people in 2021. Here's three ways I believe you and I can take this passage and can do God's will in 2021. The first is this, point number one, is simply don't even go there. Point number one is don't even go there. I want you to notice the progression in verse number one. He says, don't walk with the wicked. He says, blessed is the man who doesn't walk. That word blessed there, some translations say happy. One translation even said, how rewarding is the life who does not walk this way. The psalmist defines the blessed life with a negative. You could say that the psalm answers the negative, the the positive of being blessed in terms of three negatives of, of descending tragedy. Notice it with me. He says, walk, but then he says to stand. Did you notice that? But then you sit down. He says, don't walk in that council. Don't stand in that path. And then don't sit in that seat. Don't walk where? Don't walk in the council of the ungodly. Don't stand in the path of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. That is, the the company you keep is very key here. He's saying don't even go there. One person said this, It is difficult for us to separate ourselves from the wicked with whom we are mixed up, how men are inclined to turn aside little by little from the right way. Sometimes it starts with a mere walk, maybe an association with people from whom the things of God matter little, if anything at all. Be careful where you go. Notice it says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Be careful who you and I listen to. And by the way, if you and I aren't careful, what will happen is this. I will be, in my own soul, bent towards a certain decision. And it may be the ungodly decision. But if I'm wanting to go the ungodly way, you know what I will do? I will go and I'll ask brother so-and-so maybe. But brother so-and-so's advice to me is, no, 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 don't do that. Come over here and go the godly way. 
But instead, I go, no, I don't, that's not what I wanted to hear, so I'll go to somebody else. And I'll go to somebody else. Y'all know where I'm going, don't you? Eventually, I'll find that one person who is in agreement with me and says, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Go down this path. The psalmist is saying, don't even go there. Dave Ramsey, who's a famous financial advisor, he said this. He's, 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 he's helped millions of people, I believe, at this point, get out of debt and all these kind of things. He said, he said when you're trying to build your, grow your finances and, and get out of debt and, and, and follow, follow the Lord and, and do great things and be blessed in your finances, he says, don't listen to the advice of your broke brother-in-law. He says, don't listen to that advice of this guy over here who's telling you what to do and he's $100,000 in debt. Who do you listen to? You listen to somebody who knows how, to, knows how to do it. I want you to be careful not to walk in the counsel of the wicked because if you're going down that road and if you're looking for somebody to tell you what you want to hear, if you keep asking, eventually you're going to find them. But don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't go that way. But it also says not only not to walk. So when we say don't even go there, don't walk, because if you keep walking that direction, eventually what's going to happen? You're going to stop, and you're going to stand. Look what it says it right there in verse 1. Standing is the idea of staying around a little while, stopping to look and listen, hanging around with, hanging around with the sinners, it says. That is, those who, the word sin there, is those who miss God's mark. Not only have we, at this point, listened to the ungodly, but now we're not only listening to them, walking with them, we're stopping and we're standing. And one of the churches I served, we had a little small private school that met in our, in our, our campus, our, our, our buildings and things, and, and there was this one mom, she was the classic kind of soccer mom, I, don't know, she, I felt like she brought 20 people to school, she had this big old van, and, and she'd always drop the kids off, and she'd get out of the car leave the car running, and then she'd stop and stand, and I'd see her, and I'd be going back and forth somewhere, and she'd go, oh, I'm busy, I gotta go, I gotta go. And I'd go, okay, well, that's good, it's good to see you, have a great day, I'd go into the church, I'd come back out of church, she'd still be standing out there, because she loved to talk to people, and I gotta go, I gotta go, but she'd be standing there. Standing is the idea that not only am I walking towards something, I'm, I'm standing, I'm hanging out. But in this case, the psalmist is using it as a, as a negative thing, because he's saying that when we listen to the bad advice, when we walk down the wrong path, we get to a point where sin becomes our pattern and sinners become our partners. Instead of imitating Christ, like the New Testament talks about in 1 Corinthians, for example, we begin to imitate sinners. Not only do we walk this way, but we stand. But then it says what? Don't sit. The end of verse 1. Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. That's why don't even go there. He says, you move from thinking like the wicked as you're walking to living like the rebellious, but now at this point, you've soaked it all in. And not only have you justified your sin and I've justified the way I act, now I've become a scoffer. In other words, I'm so engrossed in, in my wicked way, now I'm making fun of people who try to live godly. I become very comfortable here. This, this, this is the proud, self-sufficient person who essentially says, I don't need God, I'll live my way. I can't help but think of the book of Judges, the very last verse, one of the saddest verses in all the Bible, says there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. A man named Peter Kreeft, he said, we are whatever we love. 
be careful what we love. Learn what to say no to. But brothers and sisters, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if we're not careful, any of us can slip into this idea of walking and standing and sitting. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Number two, not only don't even go there, but number two is this. We need to delight in God. The psalmist gives us an antidote for going down the wrong path, for going down the wicked path. Number two is delight in God. And in this case, it's delight in God's word. It's, it's, it's say yes to God. Look at verse number two again. The, the blessed man is what? His delight is in the law of the Lord. He's saying yes to God's word. He, he's taking joy in knowing how God is leading us. It uses the word the law of the Lord for us. That would be the Torah, uh, specifically the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. But I think as a whole, it's a synonym for the word of God. We're saying yes to God's word. We're saying yes to God's wisdom. It says that he meditates over, on it day and night. Literally, one translation put it this way, he thinks over by talking to himself. I'm pondering it. I'm weighing it carefully day and night. It's not meditation like sometimes we think about meditation. Sometimes you hear people talk about meditation, and it's kind of like this idea of like, I just kind of, I clear my mind, and I'm not thinking about anything. It's sort of this, you clear your mind and your focus, and there may be a place for that, but what the psalmist is talking about here specifically, his meditation means I am thinking intently, intensely about God's word. I'm thinking through, how am I going to live out what God has given me in his word? I'm going to think about it like this, like Joshua chapter 1. Uh, listen to this, I'll read it to you. Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. This idea of meditating on the Word of God. I want you to hold your place in Psalm chapter 1, and I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 6. I want to read a passage to you that I believe helps us tremendously in understanding how we delight in God and how we say yes to God. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4, he says this. He says, this is Paul talking to God's people at Rome. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Verse 4, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This idea of the psalmist is saying, don't walk down this wicked path, the opposite then is true, right? He wants us to walk down the godly path. What Paul was saying in Romans is that we have been saved by God. We're saved by grace through faith, right? But when God saves us, he saves us to walk in newness of life. He, he saves us so that we bear the fruit of God. How could God use you in 2021 if you said, I'm going to forsake all the wicked ways, I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to walk down God's path, and I'm going to delight in what he has for me. What could God do with a person like that? What could God do with a soldier like that? What could God do with a spouse like that? What could God do with any of us who say, yes, I'm going to follow 
in his path. In fact, look at verse 3 when we talk about delighting in God still. Verse 3, it says, what is, what is this man like? He's like a tree. He's planted by streams of water. In other words, this tree's got plenty of water. You know, sometimes water uh, is scarce and a tree may be somewhere where there's no water. He's saying, no, you're like the tree that's beside the water because you know why? You're getting all the water you need. You're getting all the nourishment you need because you're saying, I'm going to say yes to God's word. I'm going to stay in it. I'm going to stay strong. Look at the rest of verse 3. It yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. Because he said yes to God. He said yes to God's ways. He said yes to God's will. I was looking this week, I was interested to see how many New Year's resolution articles and things I could find, and I ran across one of my favorite ones I kind of checked out over the weekend, was out of the, the Wall Street Journal, and they had a section about how in 2020 and 2021, hopefully people will continue, there's been a lot of people who have picked up new habits, and whether it be music, whether it be learning a game, whether it be reading, and there's a lot of good that's come out of that. People have made a decision, we're going to learn how to do this or, or learn how to do that. Well, they were saying that juggling, for example, I'm not a juggler, but they, I, read, I read about it. That's about as far as I got. But the, the article, was, it was a juggler who was saying it, and he teaches juggling. He said, if you start doing it every day, he said it won't take but about seven or eight days. Your brain will start thinking about those, whatever your, the balls go in the air, and you'll, you'll kind of start figuring it out. And it talked about the more you go down that path, the more you begin to learn how to, how, to, how to do those things. When you think about a musician who plays an instrument very, very well, when you watch them, it's amazing, isn't it? Not only does it sound magnificent, but it, it looks like they're not even trying. Why is that? Because they're so competent, they've gone down that path so many times that that is now their pattern. Did you know that God gives us that same pattern? Did you know that if we walk down the path of the wicked, you know what will happen? It'll get easy to stay on that wicked path because we'll develop a little trail. But if you and I stay on God's path, you know what will happen? We'll develop a trail there too. When my family, I was serving at Walter Reed and we lived in Maryland, deer would come in our backyard all the time. And even if I didn't see the deer, I knew exactly what they did because they had a little trail and I could see their path and they would do the same one over and over. And I guess those deer kind of figured... Nobody's messing with you, nobody's shooting at me, nobody bothers me, so I'm just going to keep doing the path over and over. It got very easy. Well, you and I have a decision to make. We can follow the bad path, and you know what will happen? It will get easy, but in the end, it will bring destruction. But we can choose to follow God's path, and it will be difficult at times, but what will happen is as we begin to follow God and His Holy Spirit fills our lives, you know what will happen? We'll be like that tree that's firmly planted. We'll be like that path that gets worn in a good way because we're going God's way. How do we become wise in 2021? Number one, don't even go there. Number two, delight in God. But then number three is this, and we'll look at the rest of the passage together. Number three is ensure that God watches over your way. Number three, ensure that God watches over your way. I think you see this in, a, in several ways. Verses number three and four, I think you see what I call the useful life. In other words, 
be useful. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. He talks about the tree that's planted by streams of water and yields its fruit. Leaf doesn't wither. All he does, he prospers. It's, it's usefulness, see? The wicked are not so, but they're like, it says, the chaff that is blown away. The chaff is that which is rootless, weightless, and useless. Keep in mind that during this time period, it was a very agricultural society. So when people heard the idea of the chaff, they knew exactly what David would have been talking about. Every harvest, they would see the corn being threshed and winnowed on a threshing floor somewhere in an open area. Well, during the winnowing, the corn would still be mixed with that broken straw and the chaff, which was thrown into the wind. And you know what happened when it got thrown into the wind? It separated the heavy grain, which was the good stuff, from the lighter straw. That was the chaff. The chaff was blown away. Chaff provides a good description of all that was passing and all that was useless. God wants us to be useful. God wants us to serve him. If you and I are going down the wicked path, not only are we living in sin, but we're missing the usefulness, the purpose that God has for our lives. I love being around soldiers who, who lift weights and get really bulky and big that don't look like me. They're a lot bigger and bulkier, you know, not just a skinny chaplain, but I love talking to them and I love to hear them in the gym working out and picking on each other and if they don't get to work out for a little bit, you know what they'll say to each other, just kind of ingest. They'll say, oh, you're looking kind of small today. Look at, looking like a lightweight today. Oh, yeah, I got to get back in the gym so I can get my gains. You know, you've heard, heard people talk about the gains. The soldiers got to get the gains. Well, my encouragement to us is, yeah, get after it in the gym. I want you to. But don't be a spiritual lightweight. That's even more important. Don't be weak sauce with the Lord. Do that which is useful. Do that which God has called us to do. As John Piper wrote in his book, Don't Waste Your Life. Be the one who thrives. Be the one who serves God. What are you and I doing that's going to matter tomorrow? It's going to matter next week. It's going to matter next year. So ensure God watches over our way, number one, by being useful. But number two, simply live the blessed life. Look at verse 5. He says, The wicked won't stand in the judgment. Sinners won't stand in the congregation of the righteous. Because to be blessed is to follow the Lord. He's saying in verse 5 that the wicked won't stand. Now we know from experience, and we know from other places in the Bible, that sometimes sin is a pleasure. But in one place it says what? Only for a season. In other words, one day there's going to be a payday. Happiness is very elusive, isn't it? Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be blessed. And it's challenging, and the reason it's challenging for us many times is because we're very susceptible to thinking that blessing and happiness is related to my circumstances. And there's extremes of our circumstances. On the one hand, you have this everything is awesome, kind of like when I think of a, like a Disney movie, right? In a, in, in, in a typical classic Disney movie, what happens? There are some problems, but everything can be solved with a prince or a song and dance and a cool song at the end, and everybody's happy and everybody's got a happy life. Well, I don't know about you, but my life's not always that way. But then on the other hand, there are some places where life is absolutely tragic. 
Sometimes life is very hard. I went back and I was looking at that great uh, Shakespeare play, Hamlet. And if you haven't either watched the movie or read it from back in high school, like I think I probably did, I went back and looked and boy, what a tragic, what a tragic story. Hamlet, he, he, has this, he has this guy, he's kind of his nemesis, Laertes. They have a duel, so they're sword fighting. Well, Hamlet, he gets stabbed with the sword of Laertes while he's, while he's dueling, but what he didn't know is that the sword was laced with poison. So there's problem number one. Well, they take a break from their dueling, and, they, and the king uh, urges Hamlet. The king comes up and says, uh, Hamlet, uh, drink from the poison cup. Well, Hamlet doesn't do it. Hamlet takes uh, the... Hamlet's mother takes the cup, excuse me, Hamlet's mother takes the cup that was meant, wanted to give it to Hamlet, but Hamlet's mother takes the cup, and she drinks it. And after that, she dies, so now you got Hamlet, he's got poison in him, he don't know it yet. His mother drinks the cup that was intended for him, Hamlet's mother's dead. Laertes tips Hamlet off as to why she dies, that's why she died, because she took the cup meant for you. Oh, by the way, you're going to die too, because you were stabbed. And Hamlet forces the king to drink from the poison cup, and he dies too. And then as Hamlet dies, he forgives Laertes, but then it ends still very, very sad. And in that play are these words about life in general. It says, to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream, well, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long a life. But what a sad line in a story that is absolutely tragic. A guy watches his own mother die, he dies, all these horrible things happen. Well, Shakespeare was simply writing about life, wasn't he? We all have experience of very tragic things. But what I want to point out is this. Hopefully, maybe we're not that tragic right now, but we're probably not at the Disney musical where everything's perfect all the time either. But it sort of ebbs and flows, doesn't it? We have good days, we have bad days. We think about some times in our life, and those were the best times in our life. You come over here and you think about things, and you can't help but shed a tear. The problem comes when you and I try to find our blessedness and our happiness in our circumstances. God is simply saying in this passage, if you and I want to ensure that we're walking in God's way, we have to know that it comes from trusting in God and from following his path no matter what comes our way. I've heard people say this too. I've heard people say, well, you don't understand. Um, God's God's made us free and I want to be free. I want to do my own thing. Well, we are free in Christ. But God still has a framework in which he wants us to live, amen? He wants us to be led by his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit is going to lead us to go in God's way. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, he talked about a, a fish. Imagine a fish who wanted to escape the water, and he says this. He says, so the fish flops out of the ocean. True, he's now free from the confines of the water, but is he happy? No, because the fish was made for water. Friends, you and I were made for God. We need to ensure that God watches over our way. Through our usefulness, through our blessedness, but I'll give you this too, through our hopefulness. We need to live a hopeful life. 
This psalm is very simple in a lot of ways. It's about two directions, isn't it? It sounds very familiar to other places in Scripture, this idea of the righteous road or the ungodly road. Jesus talked about two ways. He talked about two gates. He talked about two roads. Remember the broad one and the narrow. He talked about two trees. He talked about two types of fruit. He talked about two houses, and he talked about two foundations. There's only two roads to take when you come to that fork in the road, the righteous road and the ungodly road. You and I cannot do the will of God while continuing to be disobedient to God. Verse number six says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And as I think about this passage, I can't help but think about those who may hear this sermon and we may say to ourselves, but wait a minute, I'm on, I'm on the destructive path. I'm on the wicked path. What do I do? Well, here's the good news. God loves you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Three days later, he rose again. And any of us whosoever will call on the name of the Lord can be saved. As I was studying, I came across a true story from back in 1983 that I want to share with you, a true story of love and redemption. And I want to say to you that if you're here or you're listening to this sermon and you say, I'm down the destructive road, did you know you can repent and cry out to God and God will forgive you? And that God will gladly place you on his road and that we can grow and that we can continue to serve him? The story... I want to share with you is about a lady named Carla Faye Tucker. This happened back in 1983 in Texas. Her and her boyfriend, Danny Garrett, were both high on drugs. They committed a double homicide, very brutal, while trying to steal a motorcycle. Let me read it to you. 35 days later, they were arrested and ultimately sentenced to be executed for their crime. In many ways, this tragic event in Tucker's life, this girl, was simply the lowest point in a disturbing life story. She grew up in a home with parents who constantly fought and eventually divorced. She used drugs, get this, for the first time at seven years old. By the time she reached the seventh grade, she was using drugs heavily, and she dropped out of high school. By age of 14 years old, she followed her mother into prostitution. She married and divorced and continued her life in a downward spiral until that night when she committed the homicide. While awaiting her trial, get this, Carla Faye met Jesus Christ and realized despite her horrendous deed, immoral lifestyle, and hardened heart, God still loved her. For 14 years, she was on death row down at Mountain View Prison in Gatesville, Texas. During her time, she read a Bible study. It's still in print today called Experiencing God. Prison officials credited her, get this, with saving two inmates from committing suicide. Praise the Lord and encouraging numerous other people. Well, her case at the, at the time, I'm a little young probably to have been watching the news, so I didn't really remember it, but I went back and looked, and sure enough, she was on Larry King Live. It got some national attention. At the close of the interview, here's what Larry King said to her. He said, finally, you remain up. Carla Faye Tucker said, yes. Well, Larry King said, can you explain to me a little more? It can't just be God. She smiled and said, yes, it can. It's called the joy of the Lord. When you've done something like I've done and you've been forgiven for it and you're loved, that has a way of so changing you. I've experienced real love. 
I know what forgiveness is, even when I've done something so horrible. I know this because Jesus forgave me when I accepted what he did on the cross. When I leave there, excuse me, when I leave here, I'm going to be with him. All her appeals ran out, and on February 3rd, 1998, she was executed. The first woman to be executed in Texas in more than 100 years. Her last words were, I love you all very much. I'll see you all when I get there, and I will wait for you. Even in a a sad, tragic story, when we follow God's path, we see God's hope. So if you're here and you're listening to this message and in 2021 you don't sound or feel very hopeful, I have good news. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Ensure that you're walking in God's path by being one of those who chooses Christ and who chooses the way of the righteous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness We thank you for your path. You didn't leave us to simply stay on our own paths of destruction and sin, but you provided salvation. For that, we're grateful. I pray that we would be counted as those who are on your path. For those of us who have strayed and sinned, we thank you for your grace. God, we want to turn to you and bring us back to your path for 2021 so we can serve you and be that firm tree that makes a difference in this world for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.